Hello and welcome to Daily Sports Science, the Locker Room Podcast. Um, we have a very, very good and inter- interesting podcast here tonight. We've got Mark Dorn, uh, the Clare Senior Football Coach, and we've got Kevin Mulcahy as well. Kevin's a very experienced football and SNC coaches. You're very welcome, gentlemen. Uh, tonight we're we're going to talk about sort of tactical trains in Gaelic football, um, and 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 get the two uh, opinions of of two men who's who's obviously experienced and and opinions are are of great value to our to our coaches. Uh, even lads, Mark, Kevin, Stephen, Stephen, how are you? Good man, lads. Listen, thanks very much for coming on, Mark. I'll maybe start with yourself. Uh, obviously disappointing result at the weekend. Um, I've been following Clare. Results obviously very very close this year, with yourself being involved. Um, you know, Kat or Colin Collins obviously has done a fantastic job at Clare over the last number of years, and he's a major sales story in my opinion. Like hugely competitive, like against counties with with such deeper pools of of players and resources and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, from your own perspective, obviously disappointing to 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 have been beaten at the weekend. But look, you know, from from your perspective, obviously. You know, it's been a great experience for you to go down McClure. You're in my party tally with Darren before as well, Mark. You've been involved in senior into county football now for, for three to four years. Um, how have you have you noticed any trends, Mark, in the game? Any innovation in recent years? And obviously you've come up against Derry this year as well, which is probably the team that's I think Kieran Mina called them the team that were documented the most uh throughout Ireland and everyone talks about Derry's evolution and stuff like that. But is there anything, Mark? That you have seen stand out over the last number of months that you feel the game is turning a little bit or changing to? Well, it definitely is. If you look, I look most of the game, if you look at the scores now, even going back four years ago, like to be fair, it was very hard for a lot of teams to break the blanket down. Now, if you look now, the game is just coaches now have just really worked hard, learned more. And it's if you look at the scores, the scores, I know even there on Sunday, just like the Monaghan Clare game, just been like, there was a massive emphasis in both teams to defend the D. But to be mm-hmm. fair, if you, you look at some of the scores in it, they're 45, 50 yards out, and there's no defending that. Now, you mentioned the team there, Derry, and I actually think they're the team I enjoy watching the most. I know there's people, may, and you say, why? I just and probably could buy to Rory Gallagher. You look, Derry, everybody, when they're out the ball, everybody's behind it and defend, and they're working hard. But when they have the ball, Everybody's an attack or goalkeepers a whole lot. And if you look at Derry score, the scores are raking up. I know in the second division, and like the scores, I think they're the highest scores across the four divisions. So look, people say this Derry about getting men behind the ball. It's like in their defence, they're hard to watch. But I actually think they're brilliant to watch. They get behind the ball, but it's not even. There's a thing you know about Derry people get this thing. They turn you over, and people think they go the hundred mile hour. They don't actually. Mm. They nearly go slow. It's a slow control build-up. They're nearly happy to let you go back, get your 13 or 14 men set, and then they'll break you down because they'll pay serious bodies for like this. You you know this saying anyway, like it's width and depth now. It's the new it's the new phrase of Gaelic football where five or six years ago it was a blanket defense, double ups, defend the D. It's now width and depth. And it's not even breaking a pace, but like the game has evaluated so much just in that short space of time. But to be fair, like last Saturday night, I went and watched Monaghan and Derry. And it's amazing. In the three weeks, actually two weeks, Monaghan only knew they were playing Derry for two to three weeks. And what Monaghan learned in them two to three weeks and the coaching that muscled into it. Because if you see the improvement Monaghan made, like and people say, it was a mirror image of Derry, but it still takes, it's not just imagine you can in a week before and say, look, we're going to mirror image Derry. You know the coach, you know yourself. 
the yeah. amount of culture and the preparation, the work goes into that. It's amazing. And like I hate, I know you said three or four years ago, but you think Donegal won the Lion. Jim McGuinness came in the the county scene and everybody said he ruined football. He actually made football better. Because like he brought the blanket in. But now if you think he brought it in and then within a couple of years, every every coach, every county manager, every player had to learn to break the blanket down. Mm. And like you see now, and you even see in club football. Like it's funny enough, I watch just your own mayor bridge. And don't forget, like I would have had you down this park, the bus man, but the way he's mm-hmm. able to your axe runs and ang- angles, and you see clubs, counties. It doesn't matter now. Teams bring 14 and 15 behind the ball. Teams are what are well at able conditioned and coach. They can break it down very easily. And look, in that way, the game has changed so, so much. Now, of course, you get to some game where you'll slow it down and you'll try and slow. But like, it's not a matter now of teams bringing 15 behind the ball and thinking, oh, we'll sit tight here and we'll win the game 8 9. I do. Them days are gone, especially in the good weather championship football. It's different in a slug and a muck fest. But at the minute, it's just the teams are that well coached and conditioned and it's like going through the lanes, putting four and five into the end lane, having three or four posters ready for your axe runners. The goalkeepers, you look at the goalkeeping, the, the roles they're playing now. Like it's just, a, 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 it definitely has changed so, so much. And like even there, just watching Sean Patton the other day, like some of us kick out Rory Began even in their own game. Niall Morgan, the goalkeepers, it's just a different level. The whole football, I think, like, County football and club football is a completely different level than it was three or four years ago. And you still maybe get the old person you mentioned them on there, Pat Spillane, but come back to the Duke football league. But you look like it's football is so much better now than it was 20 years ago, simply because of the condition of players, the coaching that goes in, the analyzing that goes in, the video analysis goes in. And every, like every game, I don't think there's people say, oh, that was a bad game. But even if it's a bad game, there's so much you still learning in it. Just where you see the trends of different teams, different players. But come back to that game, Monaghan and Derry, like the learning Monaghan done in the space of two and a half weeks from that was just off the charts. Like, and they probably should have beat Derry. Yeah. Yeah. And Dorney, it's interesting you come up with that. You know, you talked about, you know, how the game has evolved and 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 how it's much a better product now as such. And I know there's a lot of doom and gloom about. You know, Kevin, you've you've obviously, you know, you'd be a very, very strong voice on, on social media as well, uh, and very knowledgeable voice as well. And I think conditioning obviously has a large part, Kevin, to do with how the game has progressed. And if you think of the the whole talk about Roscommon last Sunday keeping the ball for six minutes, that would have been unheard of, you know, because players would have been incapable of having the skill set to do that you know, yeah. 20, 30 years ago, possibly, you know, and, and surely conditioning, and this is something obviously I would have felt when I go back six years, when I got involved at senior level six or seven years ago with Carlo, like I would have felt that, that Carlo's conditioning levels had to go up a notch just, just to even try and compete with teams because the conditioning was so far ahead. But surely now, Kevin, from a conditioning perspective as well, the gap's certainly getting narrow as well from a conditioning perspective because teams are, are becoming far more prepared in that aspect. Would you agree? Yeah, I would. I think there's like Ireland, uh, I'd be, I suppose, a little bit on the inside being in SNC and being in that world a bit. We're probably, I'd say, pound for pound. I've often discussed with other people the most populated SNC country in the world. There's more degrees here, more qualifications here than anywhere, you know, uh, for five million people or whatever it is, um, than anywhere I've I've noticed. And, and we're quite ahead, actually. So it's when you're in your own little fishbowl, we get a bit annoyed with each other about this having an effect on Ireland 
or football or whatever the case may be, but it's actually quite a high level. And, and to be, it's at a higher level than and I've lived and worked in Australia and the United States, but in Australia, I worked in the three levels of Aussie rules, pro, semi-pro and amateur. And not an actual athlete, obviously, because the top level AFL guys are extremely good athletes, but the level of SNC was way ahead in Ireland in GA. So that'd be one thing. Um, and if you're not up to a decent conditioned level, you'll fade before half time and you'll fade in the last eight, 12, 15 minutes. And, you know, a lot of games are won in that time, but your decision making drops. So the gap between, say, Carlo, as you say, or Leash or uh, and even Claire, even a number of years ago, like to Kerry or Dublin or, you know, it was very hard to keep going because if you're not at that level, um, you can have strategy, but eventually it'll break you down, right? Um, what I would say is like the modeling thing I found interesting, there was two things while came to my head there while Mark was talking. And it, it is related to tactical. And I think where it'll go eventually or is going with the really good teams is they can change through a game. And I think maybe Vinnie Corley is, is, uh, seems very sharp and but his learning on the job as well as small, but at that level, right? He changed his team to have more runners for the, the second game against Derry. And I think that was notable and that gave them, you know, it, it, it saved the energy of other lads and, and you had more runners to do the up and down work and whatnot. That was a tactical change. And he was using the players that were available to him. I think Monaghan will learn from that, that if they come up against a team and they're struggling that way again, or other teams will, we might change 20 minutes in. We might change at half time where we bring in runners and that's the tactical change. Or bring in Conor McManus and that's the tactical change, whatever that might be, you know. Um, and I like Sherlock was left on the sideline against Kerry the other day. Um, excellent footballer, brilliant shooter. Uh not a big physical guy who's going to take the wear and tear of a Cork Kerry match maybe for 70 minutes where you want them kicking those little angled under pressure shots in the last seven or eight minutes. So Cork used him very uh, cleverly on, on, on Saturday. And the other thing about the Monaghan, or sorry, the Roscommon part of it, right, was, you know, people were giving out about SNC being the problem because Monaghan were able to hold, or that Roscommon were able to hold onto the ball. But like, that's football training, you know. That's some kind of high-level skill, conditioning, yes, but the confidence, you know, the confidence to draw Dublin of all teams on you and pop little passes off here and there with a massive chance of a goal turnover. And a goal turnover in, in any game, but in a tight game, is demoralizing, right? And I just think, yeah, I, I've no problem with changing rules, but I, I was a big admirer of that piece of play from the skill point of view. Yeah, there's a conditioning underpinning it, but that's very skillful. And that doesn't happen overnight. And Ross Common, you know Ross Common well, uh, Stephen. Like that's coming year on year on year. And the lads again, like the the left side or the weak side of play some of those Ross Common players and the change their bilateral skills in the last three to four years is black and white. You know, they have developed everything. The conditioning their game awareness, their positioning, their shape, and everybody's adding to it. You were involved, and now you uh, have Davy Burke involved, and, and you can just see that they're totally engaged in that, and they're very, they seem very controlled on the pitch. And, mm -hmm. and both of you lads know that that doesn't happen in 12 months, not even 24 months, you know? Yeah. And Mark, just to, to sort of obviously look at what Kevin's talking about there, you know, the, 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 
the layers that what you're calling coaching, you know, you're trying to add layers all the time, Mark, you know, to, to your coaching. And obviously you come in this year to Clare, like, and, you know, for, for a county like Clare, Mark, you know, I, I go back to Louth and, and Mayo at the weekend. Louth probably faced a lot of criticism for dropping off the kickout. But Mayo, for me, are one of the most powerful lower body sides in the country from a running perspective. So if Louth press Mayo and Mayo win the kickout in the middle third and they're exposing Louth, surely Louth's chances of winning the game have become very, very low. So obviously from a coaching perspective, Mark, with Clare, when you're playing against the likes of Kerry, like, just talk to us about that challenge. Like, what are you thinking as a coach when you get into that game, Mark? Well, you're you're thinking again, Kerry, the number one by comes ahead is David Clifford. What do we yeah. do? With him? But look, you're also thinking. Just I'll go back even to the Louth. You made a point there about Louth, but sure, Mickey Hart and Gavin Dev were a hundred percent right. Absolutely, like, because they mm. press the kick out and they're bombed over the top and let like they have they're they're into beating the nothing. Whereas you have to remember, Louth brought it back that point with thirty signs left. And to be fair, look and. People maybe don't realise this. Look, it's every game's different, and Kevin mentioned it. Every team you play, it is it's never tactics change, personnel change. And to be fair to Louv and Mickey and Gavin, I thought they got a spot on. They were giving their players the best chance of going to Mayo and winning the game, and they nearly pulled it out. Like you ask any Louv player, were they delighted with the tactics? Without a doubt, you ask any Louv supporter, were they delighted? You ask a Louv supporter, going down. Do you want to go and play open football and be beat out the gate? Or do you want to go and make this a dogfight, drop off and be still in the game and have a chance to win it? Sure, you know, there's only one winner. Like, And it's, mm-hmm. I thought the Louth got their tactics like, spot on. Come back to the Kerry thing. I know we put them in a monster final. We had felt if we kept it tight, obviously we didn't keep it tight. Mm-hmm. And we felt if we run the ball, because there would be known for a running team that would maybe get hurt. But the, the problem was again, Kerry, we had to give turnovers away. I think it was five turnovers, five goals. And that's maybe the, that was a serious learning there that day for Clare. It was, again, that sort of quality opposition. Mm-hmm. If you give the ball away, you get punished. Maybe in Division 2, and no disrespect to some of the Division 2 games, we maybe got away with a bit. But yeah. Jerry, that day, we did give a lot of balls away and they punished us like it wasn't even. We gave ball away and Jerry had obviously done their homework, a double kick. The doubles kick weren't giving us time to get back. Whereas I know we had played Cork in the Monster Championship this year. I mentioned Monk. we had learned a lot from playing Cork in the league game. We had felt if we got our art, a defensive arch right, the Cork would struggle to score outside the 35 yard line. And we felt the way Cork were defending it was a, a high line. We felt if we could get five and six runners through the middle, and to be fair, I knew that day Cork had beat Clare in the league in Ennis. I was very, very confident as well as the Clare coach that we would beat them in the championship because I did feel we had learned a far more. But come mm. back that day again, Cherry. Look, in hindsight now, if you're playing the Kerry game again, would you maybe say, I well, maybe we'll just sit for 15 or 20 minutes. But you have to remember, it was 4-1 after 18 minutes. Clare missed two 21-yard frees. Yeah. I mean, another, like, very easy. It could have been four each. Five. And at the end of the day, yes, it's good to get in the bike, but you also want players to go off a monster final, take the shackles off and go and have a go at them, a cut at them. Mm-hmm. And we did yeah. feel like we were going up the field and missing, whereas we were giving an all turnover and Kerry did punish us heavily with the goals. And But that's what Kerry are. Look, and I, I mentioned Kerry just for now. I know Paddy, Paddy Vitale would have this name as a defensive coach. And I laugh at it sometimes because I know in the years we're down, the stuff he does attacking offensively. It's amazing. I remember even talking to Stephen O'Brien after the 
Munster finally, and he referred to again just the work Tally had done on them his last three weeks on our back court cuts or going through the lanes or angle runs. And look, it it did they give us a wee bit, it was a bit of a show, it was a bit of a lesson for us. It was a big, big lesson. But look, at the end of the day, you still have to score the team, the game. It's still the team that scores the most, but you're also wanting to give your team the best chance of being in the game. You don't want to go into a game and after 20 minutes, game over. And look, that's why Live, I thought Live tactically got it spot on. And they had a won the game, everybody was saying it'd be a tactical masterclass because it could beat now. Everybody's coming up and saying, Oh, make new rules, three up, four up. But look, you mentioned the team there, Dublin earlier on. Dublin are known as a Best team has last six or seven years, maybe the best GA team of all time. I know you've been at plenty of their games, and I've been at plenty of their games when they're under Jim Gavin. Like, there was no more defensive team than Dublin when they lost the ball 15 men inside 45. Now, the only thing I'll give them credit was different. Maybe they broke when they turned the ball over, they broke at serious, serious pace. And I remember having a conversation with Pete McGrath, it was four or five years ago, Pete's last year, I think, with Fermanagh. And Pete, remember the beat for Mana in, in Croke Park? But Pete, says, right, yeah. Pete says to me, like, on TV, you're watching and thinking the serious pace. He says, when you're on the lane, the pace they have is phenomenal. And I even go back even to this year. We played them in a league game, Dublin even. The, and we were, I think we were six or seven up at one time. But they brought Jack McCaffrey on in the last 20 minutes. And Jack, like I remember he scored the winning point. They scored a point in the last play of the game. He fisted the ball, but he made a break from the 45-yard line, his own 45. And I like he left four or five Dublin and Clare boys for dead. It was just the ferocious, the relentless pace he had. And look, he is a special player. Not all teams have that, but come back to you, the Dublin, like Dublin, there's no more defensive team than Dublin. And if you look, I don't think there's a team in Ireland when they lose the ball, don't have 13 or 14 men back. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and and it's interesting, Donny, and and the Kevin just to sort of to, to sort of maybe uh, touch on a point that Mark talked about there. Mark talked about Cork, you know, and obviously you've got a great insight into into Cork. Obviously, you're a Cork native, and you know you obviously watch them very closely. And you know when you're watching a county so passionately as well, you probably feel very passionately about it. Like like from a Cork perspective, I look at Cork from the outside as a massive football and county, massive hurling county as well. Huge numbers, huge playing population. Surely a county of that size and stature should be in a better place from a football perspective. Am I, am I wrong there, or or what? What is going on from a coaching perspective? Because I I thought the addition of Kevin Walsh this year, Kevin was a huge. I thought it was a very significant addition that was maybe not talked about in great detail. And I thought Kevin Walsh would have added a great degree of of our organisation to Cork. You know. Yeah, I think on uh, well, there's two questions there. There's the present, right, and this team, and then I think there's the greater Cork question. I'll start with the greater one, maybe. The first thing I think from the outside, yeah, football people here are frustrated over the years. There's just no point in talking about that uh, in any other way. Uh, I talk to lads all the time, coaches, present players, or my, the, only, the players I coach with, people. Are, there's a massive interest in football in Cork in certain parts of the county, Duhallow, which is northwest, Muscree, which is where I'm from, which is like mid-Cork, Kilimanjaro, McCroom kind of area, and then West Cork, right? And they're as passionate as down Kerry, Tyrone people about the football team. Obviously, the hurling is the, the, the prestige team in town. Um, but I would say one of the problems 
broadly is a lot of the there's an awful lot of Jews. And I went to school with Kerry lads. I went to a boarding school. I was coached by Kerry people growing up. And we used to go down and play them a lot down there, right? So I, I would have talked to Kerry lads every day of the week, pretty much. And the one big thing that I would say, and like we always compare ourselves to them, whether that's right or wrong now, but obviously they're the successful lads over the, over the, the other side of the room. But they would play twice as much, maybe three times as much football as us growing up. Hmm. And that matters because you learn in the game more than you learn anywhere else, right? Now, of course, there's people who only play football in Cork and there's football-only clubs, but it's a small enough population from that point of view. Um, an awful lot of the good athletes, dual clubs like the Bars, Brian Hayes, a massive loss to Cork football in the present team. Uh, big play player, he already started to show up in the hurling. Uh, very agile for a big man, very, very high uh, IQ, okay? So that'll be one thing, and that, that's kind of getting the excuses out of the way. The thing that could be improved is the coaching, right? And part of it is the time in front of players, right? There's no doubt about that. Part of it is it has been left behind. And there is a culture there where athleticism trumps IQ, I would say, okay? There's a bit of an old wives' tale about certain famous Cork people saying that Colin Cooper and Morris Fitz would never have come through in Cork. Um, I don't know how true that is, and we never know, we'll know it. I, I believe that about Gooch. I don't think there's any chance at all of Gooch playing senior football in Cork. Um, you know, Morris Fitz was probably big and strong and athletic enough that he would have stood out, and that that's valued in Cork an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, is And there is signs that that's changing, funnily enough. Right. And I've noticed a couple of the Cork Kerry underage games in recent years at minor level where you could swap the jerseys based on tradition. Whereas Kerry are that bit bigger, more athletic now, and Cork are carrying a few more players who would be falling into the craft, let's say, moniker, if we want to call it that, and may not win all their own ball, but are good players and that kind of stuff. So there has been a little shift there. I don't know how long that or what's going to come with that. So that's the cultural stuff. Um, athleticism and the game has moved fast so the club game the top three grades are very fast senior senior a premier intermediate good like they'd all survive athletically in many other senior grades in anywhere in the country mm-hmm. but, but there is a footballing iq like still recovering in the present team mark collins is a gigantic loss he was a clever uh, you know donegal connor that's another kind of high IQ player that we don't produce that say the hurling would produce, right? And a bit more yep. culturally, the hurling would produce those types of players, you know? So with the present team, I think Saturday, uh, and there's been little spurts of it. I saw them against Mead and Dublin, and you could see things starting to emerge that there was more structure. Uh, Saturday, I thought defensively, mm-hmm. they seemed to come out after the Clare game and change things a little bit. I believe they trained very hard. That's been costly with injuries. But I think the depth of the squad will be challenged and will cost them this year. But they're definitely heading the right direction. Um, defensively, like there is four or five outstanding defenders in Cork. One or two of them are injured at the moment. Uh, Flahive, uh, Aidan Walsh's younger brother, as after coming on, he's still in the 20s. He played... Uh, he didn't. He didn't play against Kerry. He played the game previous to that against Loud. Excellent, ex Tommy Walsh. Sorry, is his name. Um, and Daniel Romani and Mark Clifford the other day. 
uh, real hard-edged, good footballing, big man, and you know already at 21 knows how to mix it. And he had a great battle with Clifford the other day. And defensively, they're picking up really, really good players, um, and which is encouraging. The likes of Luke Fahey and Maguire are picking up uh, Rory Maguire, that is from Castlehaven, are finding their way more and more, and you can see it every game. And they're, I think they found, but it was hard to know where they played Fowler the last day, but he was a dropping midfielder, dropping centre-back, I'm not quite sure, but he was doing a lot of plus one work. And then you have him coming onto ball as well, and I think that's where he's best, and he's probably the most creative player of Cork have. And they're just getting then from eight to 12 outrageous work, like Rory Dean, Brian O'Driscoll, um, and Kiliana Hallen, the half forward line the other day, were immense in terms of work rate. Big, strong guys. Now, again, injuries, Palomani, Conor Corbett, long range outside the zone scores. Okay. Whether they'd be starting or coming on, they're both carrying hamstring injuries. Uh, I don't know what their status is at all. I think they may have shoved Cork over the line Saturday, actually. Uh, had they been coming on, you could see all Maxweeney and Sherlock. Uh, very, very good footballers came on and made a difference. And I think Copper just learning stage by stage. I would say it's the first time a lot of these guys have listened to language like Kevin Walsh would talk. I've even talked to one or two of the players about that, that a lot of it is new. They're enjoying it. There's obviously a learning process. There's two steps forward, one step back kind of element to that is you both know and things get embedded and you think they're getting better and then they drop back a bit. But I would be very positive in general that there is a structure there and they're moving forward. They're using the quality of player they have and not trying to be something they're not. That's yeah. a key part of it. You know? yeah. It's just that middle-eight creativity. That's an area, you know, Brian Hurley needs help. He, you know, it's very hard to do what he's doing at the moment, win one-off balls and take on yeah. half defence. So... You know, they'd be positive. They put it up to Kerry psychologically. You know, they wanted to win. I think the feedback is they felt they should have won. Um, but there's little tactical stuff that they, they need to learn. You know, when you're going short, Kerry gave them a lot of kickouts. Not yeah. totally giving up the kickout quickly, but they were giving him a 5v4 or 4v3 where there's a reasonable kickout on for Michal Martin. And Cork tried to kick through Kerry a lot, and that's not going to get it done against the better teams. Like, you're going to have to work it, as Mark was talking about, Derry there. Uh, Cork are really good in transition. A turnover uh, in the middle or around the, their own 45, excellent. They're transitioning with speed. Support play is good. And then the width and attack, and they're overloading a bit like um, basketball teams would. And leaving yeah. one or two of their athletic players, let's say they all move right, they're pulling players away to the left, right? Mm. So that's good, and they're learning. The only problem is uh, the last day, I think they missed a beat by not going long and forcing earlier in the game Kerry to go long. Kerry don't want long kickouts at all anymore. I've never seen Kerry as afraid of a phase of play in my life. So David Moore is a huge loss. And Cork didn't annihilate them there, but they, they beat, they got a 3-2 win, out of, uh, three points to two out of Kerry's long kickouts over the whole game. And they broke even on their own, but they won more. And yeah. I think that's an area Cork are strong in, and they should go after. Teams will give them the ball now because they know that if you go along and Cork win a break, they're dangerous from the middle. Yeah. 
That's an interesting insight there, Kevin, you know, because obviously we wouldn't obviously probably get that insight, you know, of, of Cork. Um, obviously, you look at the main programme, the Sunday game, you get a decent insight into the Dublins, the Mayos, the Kerrys, you know, but we don't really tend to get, you know, a detailed analysis of, of, of those counties outside of the big four or five. Mark, Kevin talked an awful lot there about kickouts. Obviously, as a coach, the three of us obviously know from coaching, your exposure time to players is quite limited. Um, yeah, you know, and if Kevin taught, you like this here. Well, I noticed that Kevin and maybe yeah. Hawks go to kick out the box, the box kick out. Right, uh, okay. I would have yeah. known the I would have known the box kick out very, very well. And I've no doubt Kevin Walsh took the box kick out from a certain Taroman in now in Galway because I know that day in the league we beat them in Ennis and Cork actually destroyed us in the box kick out. Now, to be fair, come the championship, then we were well, we were ready, for it. well ready for it. And it was, I mean, Kevin is right, Cork do a big man, but we made a, we, we were, I think it was actually, we actually cleaned Cork out in the second half. That then was just because we had done serious work mm. on the box kick out where we weren't ready for it in the league game. Yeah. So they were able to bring, I think it was like a really dangerous join the Ian McGuire channel channel. for four, they're actually six boys over six foot, but we had made sure they had come the championship. We were ready to go in the box. And just and I think, Mark, on that, though, for folks watching and listening, like Cork is a good measure there of any of us who start with a club team. I'm, do, I'm in the second season of the team myself. It's starting to click now without too much instruction because yeah, yeah. you have to see what Claire did to Cork that day. You know, it's, it's, it's human nature. To, this is going well for us. We've won six out of eight kickouts in a row, um, you know, and we'll keep doing it. And it might take three kickouts while they've turned us over and scored one two for us to cop on, you know. And that's that's just a learning process, I think, that you have to yeah. go through and get better at the short kickout and learn how you move the ball up the pitch. Yeah, I actually thought Cork were playing to their stance because of the one team, four big boys over six foot, and they had Sean Powder and Matty Taylor ready to pounce. Yeah. And like it was serious. And looked, as you said, it was a good but because we had seen them and I, I would know from working with Paddy. Paddy was a great man at the box kick. I know we're down, but people, there's a lot of people just to think the box kick out was negative. But if you could win the box kick out, you had a serious overload. It was, I remember that day in Ennis in the league game. Ian McGuire won three in a row, it was just a ball slipped it. The Sean Powder, Matty Taylor was coming off his shoulder. Brian Hurley was coming off on a loop. And next yeah. thing, Stephen Sherlock was coming. And it was so, when it's done right, yeah, it's so effective, and like, it, uh, but I knew that day in Ennis when we had seen it in the league, it's because Cork done serious damage to us in the league game through the box kicking. But it was plenty of sense. Ian Maguire caught ball after ball, Rui Dean was dropping, and we'd only have small man playing at wing half back, Rui Dean was wing half forward. But it was Cork knew the minute they won the ball, ball in hand, every ball was shifted to the left or the right, and it was there, Matty Taylor or Sean Powder. The next pass was a kick pass to Brian Hurry coming right. And next thing, Stephen Sherlock was coming round the loop. And it was so like from a kick out for Michal Martin going 65 yards, Maguire one slip pass, powder a kick pass, like in the space of 10 seconds, ball yeah. over the bar. It was three or four points they scored. Now, I didn't actually see, I seen the first half of the Cork and Kerry game. I was headed to and I noticed Cork didn't do the box kick out as much. And I would say that was maybe Kevin Walsh coming up again. Paddy Tally, because I know when Paddy was in with Galway, Galway used it a lot. So I know they went away, but I know again, loud the new set of Brave bit again. But as you said, it's not, it, it's a quick, it is a, it's a very easy thing to get right. It's not that you can spend yeah. 
lots and lots of time. But if you see the some of the time goes on in goalkeeping coach, even though we've appointed Joe Hayes or McClare, and he's a serious, brilliant goalkeeping coach with his kick out strategies, but the work that goes into it and the works, and if you can look at, I look at Rory Began the other day, just like a kick out to men on the run, like I'm talking a kick out 65, 70 yards. Carlo Connor needs why he's not breaking stride. Sean Patton yeah. does it. Niamh Morgan does it. Like Cluxon in his early days would have done it. It's so, it's just, there's so many good things in it, but such people, I don't think people understand the work that goes into it, getting that right. Yeah. And, and Mark, just on that, like that's what it's going to sort of come to you as well and say, like Kevin talked about, obviously, you know, kickouts, you've talked about that. And obviously it's a massive part of the modern game now. You know, kickouts are obviously a launch pad, you know, to launch attacks from. But how much of your time as a coach do you spend on kickouts? You know, at inter-county level, obviously your exposure time to players, weren't, they're not professional athletes. Premiership clubs, obviously, you know, you look at the likes of, Kerry and Dublin and these teams that can go away for seven, eight days for a week's training camp, the work you could get done there. Like I know myself, the small bit of time we used to go away. And I know Mark, you were involved with down obviously for a long period of time as a player as well. And and you would have got weekends away or training camps. Like we used to head away on a Friday evening and go back on a Sunday. But the exposure you got, the time that you got, you know, to work on these things, to get your work all done. How much time can you spend, you know, on 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 restarts now? Is there a huge well, amount of emphasis time I, at that level? I, well, I know I'm just being I was saying but Claire, you spend 20 minutes a night because it now is so important I think to get where's maybe four or five years ago I'm just thinking about you doing we would maybe 10 minutes aye touch on it yes yeah. now I know with Claire especially 20 minutes again this is actually not county but I remember Bally Bay last year we played Scotstown in the final and I would sit in the championship final but in the year previous Scotstown destroyed us and kicked out Rory Began so we had done serious work I would say we, went, we used to go to training day, 45 minutes. We maybe spent 45 minutes on nights just marking the 10 and 12 box. We went to Zona yeah. because we knew back, I think it was Scott's trying to beat Bally Bay in the final a few years before that. I think it was 114 to eight points. And out of the 114, one nine come up big and kick out. Bam. And so we had done serious work on that, marking the 10 and 12 box, not mm. making sure that we always had somebody filling them boxes. So look, they, they kicked out, it would just be like, it's a serious risk and reward. And I'm going back to the Lowe's thing. I don't blame Lowe's at all for what they done. Yeah. Again, and even if you think, like the, even like you watched Sean Patton the other day, some of his kickouts, and Derry, I was surprised Derry went in a full press and Bat Patton was able to beat them very, very easily. A man running, and we're talking about Derry, who would have aspirations of winning the Irons. But I do think three or four years ago, there maybe it was a 10 minute, I do think now, as last couple of years, the work now that's going into kickouts, offensively and defensively, teams offensively look. This is a serious weapon for us, but also teams defensively. The work that's been done to try and make sure you don't be caught. The, the video analysis going on. The individual clips sent to players. Look, this is where this is going to go, and this is where this is going to go. But you know yourself, you can do all the tip clips and run throughs and walk throughs you want. You know, in the heat of the moment, in the last ten minutes, there's always things to be. The last 10 minutes, maybe for 50 minutes, 55 yeah. minutes, everything will go to plan. But if you're chasing a game, you have to take risk. Uh, you know, everything goes out the windy. And sometimes it's that we thinking clearly under pressure. Maybe players just, it goes out the windy. And it's, but it, it all depends what stage of the game. But to answer your question, I think there's serious work now is getting into the kickouts. It's, got, it's such an important part of your game. And look, 
and now I completely understand now why teams give the kick out up because if you haven't done it, like it's just we'll give a kick out up here for four, three or four kick outs and see can you break us down because you know yourself, even you'd rather be winning the kick out in the far 70, 40 yards from goal, yeah. or you'd rather be 20 yards from goal. It's a long way from Croke Park from 20 yards to goal to the far side of the field. And I think it was maybe Tyrone won that iron, I think it was maybe in 2008. And they never kicked the ball down once. Every kick out was short and they worked the ball. That was just, they were playing to their strengths. But at, at the minute, like their kick, kick outs is massive. It's, it's such a big part of a game. And usually yeah. the goalkeepers are about every time a ball and every time. Yeah, it's massive. And, and goalkeeping has become such an important part of that. Kevin, you talked about that sort of, you know, the athleticism. You mentioned Colin Cooper. It's an interesting point. I want to go back to that, actually. You talked about Colin Cooper, um, you know, maybe getting overlooked you know, from a talent identification point of view in Cork, you know, you might have overlooked someone of that of that natural ability. Ironically, I remember in 1984, the German national team flopped at the World Cup. In 1998, they flopped at the World Cup. They were hammered by Bulgaria, hammered by Croatia, and they decided to do a completely branch review of their coach education structures. They were looking, the Germans were always very, very efficient, uh, athletically, athletically sound, big, strong, physical players, and they went away and obviously looked at a talent identification thing, and they brought through the likes of Basel and uh, Roos and Muller and these footballers, and obviously they went on to have huge success at national level. They got to ten or twelve years later. So, is that something you know that talent identification thing? Is that something in GA? Maybe is the GA still guilty of that in general? Where the bigger, stronger, athletic player at underage level is the one that gets identified before the, the, the small, silky, skillful corner forward as such. Like, um, I would say broadly still, we're, we're, like people are trying to get away from it. At least there's an awareness. There's a lot of conversations around this stuff. You look at what Claire are doing in hurling uh, with foil banding and actually trying to keep the younger players, maybe the lighter players, later year-born players, more involved that are showing a bit of talent. Um, they have a professional Rob Mulcahy running that. Um, you know, and that's that seems to be working well for them so far. Development squads, you know, I worked in them myself for a couple of years in Cork Hurling. It's it's hard to know, like, are they exaggerated trial games, right? Mm -hmm. Or are they really developing? Are, and every county is like the 32 counties, so it's very hard to make a blanket statement, but are they going back and giving an opening to kids to come back again at 15, 16, you know? Um, and I would say it happens in some places out of necessity. I think some of the smaller, medium-sized counties and maybe somewhere like Dublin with resources, um, there's windows of opportunity. You see it in Kerry. Kerry have development squads, but I think their real development is the schools. Their schools are like okay. centres of excellence, right? That's interesting. You know, Ratmore, the Sam and Killarney, Dingle, Tralee, Killorgan. Two schools in Tralee now playing uh, senior A colleges. That's six schools there, I think, six. And you can see all the clubs benefit from them. You know, uh, Dingle, obviously West Kerry is sparsely populated, but all the clubs are doing pretty well there. And every year there's two or three of, the, of nearly from Lisboa or Dickon Gwilta, and obviously Dingle itself, are playing A grade Munster Senior Colleges and getting semi-finals and finals. Now, is that a 
deliberate thing? Is it something that's emerged? Is it a cultural thing? I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but it works well for them. So there's always, if some guy comes late, 16, 17, is showing a bit of form, grows a bit late, but he might make the school team. And then he's back in the game from a, from an elite perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've a ways to go, but I would, I would say I'd be more encouraged now than I was even 18, 24 months ago uh, because okay. of the conversations that are happening. And people are thinking about it, you know, and, you know, it's the problem is the resources, you know, and yeah, with the lack of a centralized model like the AFL had, for instance, makes it very, very hard, even for GA to give them their dues, you know, how are Pro Park really going to fund the county? How, how do they support that? Um, it's almost too democratic in some ways as an organization, yeah. you know, um, so I think it's getting better. Uh, and some counties are brilliant at it and others are not. And that's that's the reality, I think. Brilliant. Lads, I'm not going to keep you as much longer. The, the insight you've given us tonight has been absolutely brilliant, but I'm going to finish on, on one more question. Um, Mark, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I want your opinion on who is going to win 2023 Sam McGuire and why? You just want one. I could give you three. Right, give me your three, give me your three, give me your contenders. I believe, look, it's scary. Simply because I know everybody's this thing again than this, but they still, on their day, I still believe they've the best six forwards in Ireland. They're, they're just tidling along in Croke Park. Yeah, now, they're not playing as well as they were last year, obviously, but it's still, Jerry's thing is going to be quarterfinal. I know they're away in a week, they're away in a week in Portugal, and they've done serious work. Of, mm -hmm. uh, to, just before the Monster Championship I know the whole ambit was to get it come quarterfinal semi-final stage it would be Peaking. a good place a peak and so look I do think they won't be far away I still think the dubs even though people are writing them off I look at the players coming back the experience coming back they look on pit there, and then Croke Park they're going to be serious seriously very hard to beat and you have to remember Probably Cherry beat them by kick of a ball. Like it was very, very tight last year. So I think the dubs are still there, even though people saying they're in the third and second division. The dubs, I might, I'm, I'm changing mind. There's actually four Galway Mayo, and I hate no Ulster people's going to be jumping on their bandwagon. I just think there's no Ulster team at the minute are capable of. I know there's probably people in Tyrone be sitting thinking, oh, we come or our ma or sorry, but I don't think, I think. Mayo under McStay, I like the look of him. He's went something different. He has now got his impact clubs. He's playing Aidan O'Shea at full forward. He's still Killian O'Connor coming on. This are full back line. All newcomers in. They're pacey. They're athletic. They like to make they like the mark from the front. They like to make everything a battle. I just like the look of them. I think they won't be far away. And also Galway. I like the way Galway, Peter Cook back in there. They're forward units. I know they have a few injuries at the minute, but I just see, I don't see anybody. Coming bar them four. And I know Claire played Galway a few weeks ago on a challenge game in Ennis, and I was really impressed with their physicality and just with the having Peter Cook definitely makes a massive, massive difference to them. So I yeah. think look, it's one of them four. Now I wouldn't know. If gonna push if it's gonna push you, who are you going for? Oh, the based, on what, based on what you've seen so far. Those. Dublin. Okay. Kevin. Um I have three of those four. I don't have Dublin. Um, I just look at things psychologically first always. And they're patchy and they will probably get better. It's just there's things they're doing that 
they haven't done before. And I wonder how fast you can change that. There's a bit of rattiness. Now, I would say the one thing I noticed about them was their bodies. Like, they're getting in unbelievable shape. Mm. Um, and is there a lot of heavy training going on now? And teams are taking risks knowing they'll, they'll win a game or two games and it'll be enough to... I just don't quite fancy them from that point of view. My 3-2-1 then would be Mayo, Kerry and Galway's favourites. Mayo, the thing, a lot of things Mark said there, but I like that they've changed, that they can calm the game a little bit now, that it doesn't have to be absolute chaotic uh, all the time, you know. And obviously, I'd say they have the strongest squad in Ireland, um, arguably. We won't really know till the season's over. If they can maintain that calmness and revert from one style to another and draw teams out, which they did show a bit of that against Kerry, I'd give them a good chance, but that remains to be seen. Kerry, the Kerry or Kerry, uh, really impressed them Saturday and last year as well, of course, at times, but I think they might be even getting better at it with their transition, mm -hmm. their positioning, their movement up front, the kick three passes to get scores the last day, at least three or four times. It was so impressive. And it beats a lot of defensive systems, you know, and that's a great strength of theirs. They also obviously have Clifford. I think the Cliffords have been asked to do too much. And I do see fatigue and poddy. And I wonder about David as well at times. Like he's playing outrageous football, obviously, but he's kind of shoving himself into games and he's not getting the support. Again, is it training? Is it a little bit of fatigue now that they're taking the risk and they don't they're not bothered about it? And it, as Mark suggested, that it's the quarterfinal stage they're peaking at. Like that could make a fool out of any of us by the time it comes. They are the champions and they have David Clifford. So, and then Galway, like just their personnel, um, the bench they have, the forwards they have, and they have a defensive system that they're comfortable with. They're hard, they're unbelievably fit. They seem to be able to change from game to game a little bit in how they, they can man mark, they can shut down players. And then they have marquee forwards. And I think yeah, we all agree that like you're not winning much without three or four serious scorers on any team. And I just it's the it's again it's the psychological, it's the cut of them that that I like. You know, there's a bit of focus and mission about Galway this year. And then and we can all have that, but we need quality players. And I think that just some of their players are in awesome form. And I think they might actually win it this year. I felt Mayo, maybe out of all the teams, were showing the most consistency um, right up until Sunday. But then Sunday sort of worried me when they come up against sort of a half-decent defensive system, the lack of a structured attack, um, you know, really probably w was the standard thing for me. But I'm just going to go again the two years, lads. I'm going to say that there's going to be a sting in the tail and <laughs> Sam's going to come over the border by back to the north. Back to the north, you know, but but who who I can't tell you. <laughs> That's a cop out. <laughs> well, listen, lads, listen, thanks a million. Thanks a million for the night, lads. Appreciate it. Uh huge level of experience, obviously, in coaching. Both of you. Uh wishes all the best for your clubs this year. Uh, I know Mark you're involved in Slack Neil this year as well. Uh big, big challenge for you as well, too. So uh listen, look, good luck, lads, and, and I wish you all the best, lads, for, for your coaching in 2023. And we'll maybe get a chat again come semi-final stage of the championship if you're still interested in in backing up your your four to win it. And hopefully we'll see <laughs> we'll see two or three of them still there at that stage. Yeah. Thanks a million, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Man. Thanks.